na baba le bato mengengele ne mano gobo zekele de brina katole de baya ege bo zekele de brina katole de bamba nengla na manglo de boroko to sikele de brina katole de ba lega bazoto lo de brina nana nangele ne mana nana nana ege bo zekele de brina katole de bola lega bazoko boroko to sikele de babara gada zikele de bere nengenege mahondele bohodia thank you blessed father in the name of jesus father we rejoice that this morning we are found in you not having our own righteousness and we rejoice that your word comes with clarity today and our understanding flooded with light and I decree that veils fall off the eyes of your people and the minds of your people. Clarity comes by the teaching of your word. And we receive the accuracy of Jesus made manifest within our understanding today. And by the end of this service, we declare that your people equipped, built up, and Jesus glorified. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. We want to welcome everybody connected to the service this morning by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and all of the social media community. We want to appreciate every one of you. We are so glad you are in the service this morning. And I'd like you to do me a favor like you always do. Help us share the video this morning. Let us use our Facebook pages, you know, as an evangelist to get the message out there. Share the video on your page. Share with all the groups. Put them on Telegram. Put them on Monogram, you know. Create watch parties. Let's just flood the earth with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All our house centers, a joy to see every one of you connected this morning. And all our campuses around the world, what a blessing, what a blessing to be able to, you know, connect with all of you today. And I'm so excited to announce that our church in Japan started today. Actually, they started today in Japan. And it's a joy, you know, to know their service finished long ago. I think it should be evening now in Japan. They are eight hours ahead of us. So it should be, you know, sometime in the evening. But it's a joy to know that the brethren in Japan started the campus today. And we just believe God that the whole of Japan and the entire Asia will bow to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Are we excited to be in the building this morning? Well, can we give the Lord a praise and a shout and let's celebrate. Glory to God. Whoa. Amen. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible, and you can be seated with your sweet, smart self this morning as we continue our teaching on the integrity of God's word. The integrity of God's word. Hebrews chapter 1 verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, Spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Unto the fathers by the prophets. Remember, we said that when you study the scripture in verses, you need to realize that the verses are someone's interpretation of the scriptures. The verses are someone's interpretation. 
because the writer did not put in did not put the books in verses. It's someone translating who put the, the verses for you. Alright, so quite a number of times the verses can take you off what the writer is saying. I believe as we keep studying together, we will get this picture clearer. Because sometimes the translators or the people who did the interpretation for us in the scriptures, sometimes they separate what should not be separated. That is that sometimes you will see a thought that supposedly should have ended in a verse continuing in the next verse. It was translators who had the privilege of translating that did that job of interpreting. I believe that verses should be used for quoting, you know, when you want to quote, not for explanation and not for making of reference. Did you hear that? For quoting, not for explanation and not for making of reference. But you must always, you know, keep your mind from wondering at the limitation of those verses. You must keep your mind from wondering, you know. That's why we take efforts to look at the context of what is being discussed. And sometimes we take the time to do word study. We do a study of words. Dictionaries don't give you meaning. Dictionaries only give you probable meanings. It is sentences that allows you to see meanings. Sentences. Look at First Timothy, for example, chapter 6, verse 17. It is not within our subject, but it will help with what I just explained. First Timothy 6, 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who given us richly all things to enjoy. Brother Paul was writing to Timothy, the word rich in this world presupposes that you understand what this world is. This world is the activities. Rich in these aeons, the activities. You are rich in this world or you are rich in the activities of men by business, by commerce, by trade, by investments, career, or by innovations or other things like politics, you know, by getting engaged in the activities of men, you became rich. Rich in this world, in the aeons, in the activities of men, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Uncertain riches. So the word riches there in that verse is used for material things. But he calls it uncertain. Uncertain riches. But in the living God, notice, you have to be a bit patient in in reading. In the living God, who gives us all things richly to enjoy. Now, there's a spin of words in there. He uses the word rich four times, as we are about to see. And they have two different meanings. Rich, 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 rich. Four times. Watch. First Timothy, chapter 6, verse 17. Again, pay attention. 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich 
in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now observe, rich in this world. In this world. I have explained it to mean those who have by virtue of engaging businesses, trade, commerce, investments. Notice he didn't say charge them that God has blessed to be rich. He didn't say charge them that God has blessed to be rich. Rather, he said, charge them who are rich in this world. Then he said, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Did you see that? But in the living God. The word but in the living God. Now let's read verse 18 of the same first Timothy chapter 6. 618. That they do good. That they be rich. That's the fourth rich. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. Did you observe in verse 18 that they be rich in good works? Rich in good works. Now when he says rich in good works, is that material or spiritual? Spiritual. That they be rich in good works, spiritual. That means Paul uses the word rich for good works. Which is not material. Look at verse 17 again. When he says. Who gives us all things richly to enjoy. In our minds you will be like. He gives us cars to enjoy. Houses to enjoy. He gives us money to enjoy. And jobs to enjoy. But that's not what he's talking about there. You know. He gives us lands and aeroplanes. No. He said, rich in this world. So by saying he gives us all things. The danger is when you see the word all things. And you mean all things. <laughs> That's where the danger is. And you know in Bible teaching I have told you that. Whenever you see all things. He doesn't mean all things. What did I say? When you see all things should be. All these. All these things. I can do all things. I can do all these things. He expounded unto them in all the scripture specific. All day. Not just all. In all day. So these things, dealing with these, all these things. So, what are the things he gives us richly to enjoy? Because we cannot use the word all things to mean everything. It's just like all things work together for good to them 
who love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. All these things. And if you read within that context, you will see what it means by all these things. For those he foreknew, he predestinated. Those he predestinated, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. So all these things, these things, which things? Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, glorification, all of these work together for our good. It doesn't mean sickness and disease and poverty, all of them are working together. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. He's dealing with specifics that context only will unveil all these things. All right, please stay with me. You read the word, all things within the context. So, for example, all things are yours. When he said all things are yours, down within that context, he explained what it means by all things. He's talking about the gifts of the spirit. Paul, Apollos, all of us are yours. Now, what are the things he gave us richly to enjoy? He says that you do good, number one. Number two, you will be rich in good works. Number three, ready to distribute. Number four, willing to communicate. Now, did God give verse 18 to us? Let's read verse 18 again. First Timothy 6.18 That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So, is verse 18 a function of the Spirit of God dwelling in us? Huh? Yes. It is. It's a function of the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Let me also ask you another question. Is verse 18 what the Bible called the riches of God, or the riches of God in glory? Huh? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Is verse 18 the riches in glory? Yes. Alright, now. Is verse 18 the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Yes. Alright, now. So, what does he give us richly? He gives us good works. Good works. Good works. Okay? Let me ask you a very simple, a tricky question here. Does he give us good works or good things? Huh? Good works. Or does he give, give us capacity to own things or capacity for good works? Capacity for good works. So, the riches or the richly to enjoy cannot be material. He gives us all things richly to enjoy because he already told you in verse 18 what the richly to enjoy are. Good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate... Those are the good works. So, how do men get rich? They get rich in this world. How do they get rich in this world? Business, investment, trade, career, job, politics, 
These are all systems that this world has designed where you offer services, innovation and creativity and you are rewarded for what contribution you make to the betterment of humanity. That reward is what culminates into wealth, into riches and into possessions. That is not given to you by God directly, even though God set the planet for you to engage and make the money. You went to school. You went to be trained. Most of the things that were used in training, you were written by non Non-Christians, atheists, people who don't care about God, wrote most of the textbooks that you, you use in school to study how to serve the world system. And then you graduated, got a job, gave yourself to industry, gave yourself to business. And by productive reasoning and productive contribution to humanity, you got money in exchange for what you offered. Is that true? That's how you make money. Sit down in the church first and pray poverty and hunger will kill you and you will be buried. You don't get money by prayer and fasting. You get money by, in, by industry. That's why he says, charge them that are rich in this world. It is you that will get rich. God doesn't make you rich. Charge them that are, they are the ones that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, but trust in the living God who enables us with capacity to be able to distribute. It takes the grace of God to make your money and distribute your money to people. It takes the grace of God for you to be a blessing to people. Am I teaching good? Yeah. It takes the grace of God. So you charge them not to be high-minded, but trust in the living God. Prosperity is not evil. There's nothing wrong with you making money and getting wealthy. It's not evil at all. But never let anyone give you any spiritual principle to prosperity. You didn't hear that. Prosperity is not evil. But never let anyone give you any spiritual principle to prosperity. There is no such spiritual principle. It is a deception. So what does God give us richly? He gives us richly the capacity to do good works. Because by saying he gives you richly all things, if he was the one giving you richly all things in verse 18, in verse 17, it will have been a contradiction. Because he says you are rich in this world. See, let me read it again so that you now get the full picture. First Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Charge them that are rich where? In this world. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy? What does God give us richly to enjoy? Next verse. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That is the one God does, which is spiritual capacity. 
But the previous verse, it is you that gets rich in this world. Am I communicating at all? If you're getting a shout, a powerful amen. Someone says, but the Bible says, he makes the sun to shine on the good and the wicked. That's not a prosperity scripture. If it is, if you think it is, then why don't you stay under the sun from morning till evening and by the end of the day, go home with one million naira. So it's not a prosperity scripture. That verse is about God's kindness. Showing us how to reflect his kindness in how we treat others. You know, so you can't use Matthew 5, 44 to 45 for prosperity. Because I have never been rich sitting under the sun. I only discovered that if I stay long under the sun, I get darker than I am. Is it not true? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. What are those? He gives us the ability to communicate. He gives us the ability to distribute. He gives us the ability to be good. So he is telling the rich guy, don't look at your money. Money is uncertain. Today it comes, tomorrow it's not there. You invest today, you make serious profit. You invest tomorrow, you lose. It is not reliable. Money is uncertain. So do not trust in uncertain riches. That's what he's telling the rich guy. But rather than trusting in money, look at the eternal riches. The capacity that God gives you to be a blessing to others. And being a blessing to others lasts eternally. The impact, the impression, the kindness, the changes that your wealth is able to make on people's lives leaves an eternal deposit on such people. I told, I've told you many times, a millionaire is not one that has millions accumulated in his bank account. A millionaire is one whose lives have touched a million people. When your lives has touched many people, your kindness, your generosity, your wealth has touched millions of people, you are a multi-millionaire. So it's not the accumulation that makes you a millionaire. It is the distribution and the impact that your resources are able to make on other people, on the gospel, and in human lives. That's what defines your true worth and your true value where humanity and God is concerned. Am I communicating at all? Hallelujah. Are you in the building? Very important. Now, whoo, He gives us. The us there is the believer. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, so, can you see how rich and riches are used to mean two different things? Rich, natural wealth. Riches, good works. Willing to distribute. See, in, in the same context, two different meanings. So it is the context that defines the use of words. And the Greek word is the same thing. But you see, if you read it in context, you read it to understand. Because like I told you, context and concept, context and concept, sometimes same words are used for opposite things. Same words, but used for opposite things. 
Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. Look at it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, 38. Put it up for me. It's on the computer. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Hallelujah. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you made with all, it shall be measured to you again. Give and it shall be given unto you. And what he was talking about there is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. Yet he said earlier, to him that acts of you, give to him. So he uses the word give for two different things. First of all, if they ask you for anything, give to them. Then in the same context, give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. The, world, the way the world system works, the law of sin and death. So you must learn to read patiently scriptures and understand the context of what is discussing. Amen. I said amen. Is that clear this morning? Say with me very loud, I am rich by God. In good works. Say I have capacity. To distribute. Capacity to be a blessing. To other people. I didn't hear a good amen. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 again. Because we are dealing with things here. Hebrews. God who at sundry times. And in diverse manners. Spake in time past. Unto the fathers. By the prophets. Verse 2. Hath in these last days. Spoken unto us by his son. Whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now the word whom, 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 give me verse 2 again. The word whom. Hebrews 1-2 By whom also The last sentence By whom also He made the wars The word whom there Has to do with Christ Because Christ is the heir Of all that the prophets Spoke about As the prophets were speaking They were speaking about Christ Particularly They were speaking about Christ Particularly About this particular subject matter. Look at something brother Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse number 10. Of which salvation the prophets, if your Bible is mine, I will underline the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. They prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. Look at the next verse. The next verse. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. Next verse 12. Verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves that not unto themselves. So he says that they prophesied, 
But what they prophesied was not for them. It was not for them. So we said that the prophet said things that were not about them. And Christ became the heir of the things that they said. Did you get that? The prophet spoke things that were not about themselves. And Christ became the heir of the things that they spoke. Little wonder Jesus will now say, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. They are they, the speakings of the prophets. I am the heir of those things. So Jesus is the heir of the things that the prophet spoke. Please pay attention. The word heir means inheritance. And we will explore that word in a bit. The heir, who is Jesus, is the Greek word klerenomos. Klerenomos. K-L-E-R-O, for those of you writing, K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-O-S. Klerenomos. The heir, or it means the one who owns the words that they said. Jesus is the one who owns the words that the prophets spoke. He is Akabadaga. I like the J.B. Phillips translation. The J.B. Phillips translation says, He is the legal owner of all things. The legal owner of all things. Because he is the reason for the prophecy of the prophets. And he is the one that the prophets were speaking for. So, inheritance deals with ownership. Inheritance deals with ownership. What belongs to you? So we said that the prophets are the spokesperson. They said the thing before it happened. The first person called prophet in the Old Testament was Abraham. Genesis 20 verse 7. Genesis, the guy on the computer, stay with me now because I will need you quickly to move with me. Now therefore, restore the man his wife. For he is a prophet. That's the first time the word prophet appears in the Bible. For he is a prophet and he shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, no doubt that thou shalt surely die. Thou and all that are dying. <clears throat> a prophet. So Abraham was called a prophet. A prophet is the Hebrew word Nabi. N-A-B-I. Nabi, which means a spokesperson, a spokesperson, someone who speaks on behalf of another. It means he is not talking for himself. It means when a prophet speaks, he is speaking for another, someone who speaks on behalf of another. Exodus chapter 7 verse 1. Exodus chapter 7 verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Aaron was called Moses' prophet. Moses was called God to Pharaoh. The word God is the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim. Now listen carefully. Every time you see the word God, especially in the Old Testament, it does not refer always to deity. The word God is the word Elohim. 
So every time you see the word God, it does not always refer to deity. It just simply means someone who is a judge or someone who is in charge or someone who superintends. Someone who superintends. So sometimes angels are called God. Sometimes judges, magistrates, see that? Magistrate, judges are called gods in the Old Testament. So if you do not study the context, once you see God kill it, you will think he's talking of deity, he could be talking of an angel or a magistrate or a judge kill it. Are we in the building here? Again, if you remember, have I told you before, the Old Testament must be explained. It has to be explained. If it is not explained, you can use the Old Testament and kill yourself. It has to be explained. Alright? So, the word God means someone who is in charge of a district. So, Moses will be in charge and Aaron will speak for him. That's what it means. Moses will be in charge and Aaron will speak for him. The word God don't always mean deity. Every time you see the word God, you must study the subject. For example, Psalm 82 verse 1. Where many Christians say, we are gods, we are gods. Have I not told you you are gods? You are not a god. Wait first, wait. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. Among who? The gods. Next verse. How long will you judge? Who are the gods? Judges. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Next verse. Defend the poor. You see, he's talking to judges, magistrates, judges, high court, appeal court, supreme court judges. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. What did he call these judges? God's. Are we teaching? Hello, are you in the building? So when you see the word God, don't always refer to deity. It is the context that will explain who he's talking about. Moses will be judge. You will be his spokesperson. So Moses will have the knowledge. Moses will have the discernment. Moses will have the judgment. But you will tell the people on his behalf. The numbers 1129. Please pay attention. Numbers 11.29 And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would that, will God that all the people, all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord will put his spirit upon them. Moses was saying, I want everybody to be a prophet. I want everybody to be a spokesperson among us. Moses' response, when Joshua came and told him that two people that were not in the building were prophesying. That two people that were in the kitchen cooking started prophesying. Meanwhile, in Joshua's mind, only the people in the building were supposed to prophesy. And then they saw two people outside prophesying. So Joshua came to Moses and reported those two people in case Moses wants to stop them from prophesying. And Moses said, look, my prayer is that everybody in Israel should be able to prophesy. There should be no big deal about prophesying. Every child of God should be able to prophesy. I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Every child of God shall prophesy. 
You don't need to look for a prophet to prophesy for you. You are the prophet of your life. You stand up and prophesy. Am I talking to somebody here? Yeah, you stand up and prophesy. You have the spirit of God in you. You don't have to look for somebody outside to interpret to you what the spirit of God in you is saying to you. You have your Bible. You have you have the word of God taught you all the time. You should be able to grow to a point where you can prophesy, discern, and know what God is saying. Discerning and knowing what God is saying per time concerning your life. That's what we're teaching you. That's why we're taking all the time to teach you tediously like this. Because you too have a right to know God expressly, exactly, wholesomely, holistically. You have a right. You don't need somebody. You don't need a go-between. God is not your stepfather. God is not your stepfather. He didn't marry your brother's wife. No, neither did he marry your brother's mother. Uh-uh. God is our father. We are all brought into God by Christ Jesus. And we have equal relationship with God. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. He's your father. Say with me, I'm not a stepchild of God. Shout it very loud. Let the devil hear you. I am original child. Direct child. Legal child. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Glory. Praise God forevermore. Numbers 12 verse 6. Numbers 12 verse 6. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. This is after Moses married the Ethiopian woman and they were trying to do a coup d'etat against Moses. The word prophet there is someone who speaks on behalf of another. So Abraham was God's spokesman. Abraham was God's spokesman. Abraham was God's spokesperson. Or Abraham was God's PR. The one who says things for him. So question, who is a prophet? Please listen carefully. The word prophet in the New Testament is the word prophetess. Prophetess. Is from two words. It's from the word pro. Pro. The word pro means beforehand. Pro. Prophet. Pro beforehand. To say it before it happens. A prophet is not a, narrat- a narrator of an event that has happened. A prophet is not a narrator of an event. That has happened. Or a narrator of an event. That is happening. Happening. That's Ghanaian right? That is happening. Okay. He is not a narrator of event that has happened. Or a narrator of an event that is happening. No. That's not a prophet. A prophet is one who speaks before it happens. He could sometimes talk about past events, but the key aspect of that office is that you say it before it happens. The second word is femai, to say or to declare. So you have prophemai. When it is put together, it is the word prophetis. It means to say it before it happens. That means, in the words of Abraham, we will find things he said 
before they happened. In the words of Abraham, being a prophet, we will find things he said before they happened. Remember, we're examining the integrity of God's word. That means that God's communication with us, for us or to us, came through Abraham. God's communication with us, for us or to us, came through Abraham. So, we're going to explore that. How did God communicate with Abraham by his spirit? How did God communicate with Abraham by his spirit? Please pay attention. Somebody else who also was a prophet was Noah. Noah. For example, none of these saw visions and revelations. Neither Noah nor Abraham. None of them saw visions or revelation, like prophets do today. Yet, without seeing visions and revelations, they were called prophets. Look at First Peter three eighteen. I'm going to start some some technical work here, and then we just go. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. But quickened in the spirit. Now we will do some quick study. Remember, First Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. Put it up quickly. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 10, 12. Of which salvation, pay attention, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. Next verse. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Next verse. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, which the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. What did the prophets prophesy again? The sufferings of Christ and the glory that you follow. Look at verse 18 of First Peter 3.18 again. First Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. This statement, can it be seen as an utterance in the Old Testament? Can this First Peter 3.18 be seen as an utterance in the Old Testament? Huh? Yes. So go to Second Peter 2.5. 2 Peter 2.5 And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, 
bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Wow. He calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. You won't find him called a prophet in Genesis. But in Second Peter, he is called a preacher of righteousness. Look at Jude chapter 1 verse 14. Please pay attention. Jude chapter 1 verse 14. And Enoch also, the servant from Adam, prophesied of this. Prophesied of this. Saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. So he mentioned someone else, Enoch. And he called Enoch a prophet. Look at Genesis 5.18. Genesis 5.18. And Jared lived an hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. Next verse. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. He begat Enoch. When he said the Lord cometh, when Enoch prophesied, the Lord cometh, the word prophesied there is the Greek word prophetio. Prophetio. P-R-O P-H-E T-E-U-O Prophetio. P-R-O-P-H-E-T-E-U-O To speak beforehand. It is the verb for prophetis. The verb for prophetis. It is used a whole lot for speaking by the Spirit. The interesting part is when you read about Enoch in Genesis, you will not find this part that he prophesied that the Lord cometh. You won't find it in Genesis. So he says here, he prophesied. The word prophesied was used by Jesus for the prophets of the Old Testament. This same word, prophetio, see it in Matthew 11, 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. <clears throat> Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Making reference to the prophets of the Old Testament. Look at verse 13 of Matthew 11. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Prophesied until John. Question. These prophets that prophesied until John, do they include, is Enoch included? Okay, great. Look at Matthew 15 verse 7. But just before we read Matthew 15 verse 7, these prophets that prophesied until John, is Abraham included? Good. Matthew 15 verse 7. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying. So is Isaiah also included among the prophets? Okay. So Paul uses this terminology 
in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He uses the terminology of prophecy eight times. In 1 Corinthians 11, he uses it two times. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2 and verse 5. Then, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, it is used for speaking for or speaking by the Holy Spirit. Then again, it is used in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12 where we read. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. So this word is used a whole lot for the prophets of the Old Testament. Now, go back to Jude verse 14. Jude verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. So Enoch spoke about Christ. Is that right? Talk to me, Power City. Is that right? So when you read Luke 24, 25, O fool, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In verse 44 of that same scripture, verse 44 of Luke 24, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Was Enoch also one of these prophets? Was he? Good. Now, so let's get back to Noah. First Peter chapter 3, but listen carefully. What we are dealing with here is not events in countries and cities. We are dealing with events concerning the Christ. Is that, is that, is that clear? We are dealing with events concerning the Christ. So first Peter 3.18. First Peter 3.18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Next verse. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Pay attention. He says he preached to the spirits in prison. Some people think that what it means is that Jesus, when he died, did evangelism in hell. That's what some people think. Well, that's not impossible. But that is not what the context here is saying. He says to speak to the spirits in prison. Now, the word speak there is the word keruso. Keruso, K-E-R-U-S-S-O. Which means to announce. What the preacher does. To announce. Remember, I have told you before. That translators have the liberty 
to choose the kind of pronouns they use in translating. They have liberty to choose the kind of pronouns they use in their translations. So when he said, he went and preached, the pronoun he is from a compound word, eto. Eto can be used as they or he. They or he. Now in this verse, it can't be Jesus who went to preach in prison. Because it doesn't make sense. Look at verse 20 of that scripture in Peter. First Peter 3.20 Which sometimes we are disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight souls we are saved by water. Give me 19 and 20 again so that we can follow the trend of discourse. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Give me verse 18 so that we follow the thought pattern. For Christ also had once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, verse 20, which sometime we are disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. We need to close in on the word disobedience in verse 20. Give me that 20 again. The word disobedience. Which sometimes were disobedient. The word disobedience is the Greek word apetio. 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 A-P-E-I-T-H-O. Disobedience. Look at me everybody. Disobedience. Apetio. It is used for a response to a message. The word apetio is used for a response to a message. <clears throat> so there must have been disobedient to the message that was preached. So he says, which were disobedient, apetio, disobedient to a message. John 3.36 John 3.36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. We want to look at the word apetio. Used most times for the gospel. He that believeth not. So it means to believe not. Apetio. It's not that they disobey school rules or traffic light. Disobedience in this context is not what we naturally call disobedience. Disobedience means they rejected the gospel. They did not heed the gospel. They were not persuaded. Look at Acts 14 verse 2. Acts 14 
Verse 2. Pay attention. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Unbelieving. You can't say somebody is unbelieving until you have preached to him and he rejects. Somebody you have not preached to, you can't call him an unbeliever. Somebody you have not preached to is a sinner. But the moment you preach to somebody and he refuses to believe, he now graduates from a sinner to an unbeliever. So they are called the unbelieving Jews because the message was preached and they did not believe. Look at Acts 19 verse 9. Acts 19 verse 9. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. The school of one Tyrannus. Are you still in the building? It's oftentimes used for a response to a message. A response to a message. Romans chapter 2 verse 8. Romans chapter 2 verse 8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth. Do not obey the truth. But obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. They do not believe the gospel. Look at Romans 10.21. Romans 10.21. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Paul talking about, you know, the Jews. Disobedient. They didn't obey the gospel. Romans 11 verse 30. Romans 11 verse 30. For as you in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Talking about the Jews. Romans 11.31 Romans 11.31 Even so have this also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. So it is used for response to a message. It's used for a response to a message. Romans 15.31 Romans 15.31 That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. That do not believe that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. So it is used for a response to the gospel. Response to God's word. That same word disobedience is used in Hebrews 3.18. Hebrews 3.18. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. To them that believe not. Hebrews 11.31 Many scriptures good for your health. By faith, the hallowed Rahab perished not with them that believe not. When she had received the spies with peace. Them that believed not. So the word apetio 
is a general word used for disobedience. I mean, it's not a general word used for disobedience, but it's a word used for response to the gospel. Apetio. Disobedience. So whatever he's talking about must have been a response to a message. Alright? Look at First Peter 2, 8. Please pay attention. First Peter 2, verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient. Why did they stumble? Disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed. This is the same later. He says being disobedient. Look at First Peter 3.1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, obey not the word, they also may be one without the word by the conversation of the wives. Obey not the word. Same script, same epistle where he talked about disobedience. First Peter 4 17. First Peter chapter 4 verse 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? That obey not. So go back to First Peter 3, 19 and 20 again. We are doing exegesis. By which also... <laughs> Look at me, everybody. Look at me. Take the scripture off. Look at me, everybody. Do you see how, how long it is taking us to dismantle one verse? Are you here? Do you see how we are traveling? Traveling just to uncover a verse of scripture. It's called exegesis. Is work. See how much work is taking me to explain it to you. Imagine how much work it took me to study it. It's work. By the time we come on the pulpit and we are taking a doctrinal position, it is coming out of diligent work. Are you understanding? Are you understanding? It's coming out of work. That is how to approach Bible study. There is no shortcut to Bible study. And then some people will now come together and say they want to they want to I don't know what they even use. They want to they want to prove that me I'm a heretic. And they can't even do exegesis on a verse. They are just quoting scriptures without interp- even the scriptures they are quoting are scriptures that are fighting each other. It takes work. You can't just stand up and be, and be, uh, and be attacking. No. You calm down. Then you follow the teaching. You follow the thoughts. You follow scriptural thoughts. You go with the scriptures. You allow the scriptures speak. And you take a humble position and let the scriptures talk to you. 
It is what the scriptures talk to you about that becomes your position. Are we in the building? If you understand this, say I hear you. It's like somebody says, well, you can lose salvation. How? Then he quotes a scripture. Okay. So is that the scripture you're quoting? Yes. Alright, let's do what? Exegesis. It's not enough to quote. This Bible is not a quotation book. We quote just for us to remember. But Bible quotation is not Bible teaching. Say with me, Bible quotation is not Bible teaching. Say, Bible recitation is not Bible teaching. That somebody is busy pra, 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 quoting, 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 quoting. He's not doing Bible teaching. Bible teaching is exegesis. You take a scripture, you look at the pretext, the post-text, you go, for the, you go now and look for the corroboration of that scripture. Then you come back to do word study. Word study. Each word, you study the word and you do exegesis on the word to finally arrive at what the intent of the author was. It's work, friends. It's work. Amen. What did I say it is? It's work. Now go back, go back, go back. First Peter 3 19. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse number 19. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. And look at verse 20. Which sometime, did you see the word sometime? We are what? Did we do a work on disobedient? Apetio. It means they did not believe the gospel. They were disobedient. Put it up. When once the long suffering of God waited. When? In the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing. Wherein few. That is eight souls. Were saved by water. Which sometimes. We are disobedient. The word sometime is the Greek word pote. P-O-T-O. It means at that time. The word pote deals with a past event. It has nothing to do with the present. Pote. Past event. Used again by Peter in First Peter 2.10. Please be patient with me. First Peter 2.10. Which in time past, pote, were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy in time past, pote. First Peter 3 5. First Peter 3 5. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, when? In the old time, pote. In the old time, alright, the holy women also in the old time. That means when the word pote is used, the event or the person described happened in the past. First Peter again, 3, 18, 19 and 20. Kabayada. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 19. 
by which also he went. The question here where, where people have problem is who went and did this preaching? Okay? Is it Noah or Christ? So that's what we're working on here now. Put up that scripture. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. 20. Which sometime potay we are apetio. Sometimes did not believe the message. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So, the preaching happened with the disobedience. Hello? When did the disobedience happen? When the preaching was preached. Okay? So, the preaching and the disobedience happened at the same time. Hello? Hello? The preaching and the disobedience of the people, have, you can't say they disobey until you preach. So when you preach, their response will either be obedience or so the, 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 the event happened in the past when the preaching was done. So the preaching wasn't an after death event. So the preaching was not an after death event. The preaching was done in the days of Noah by Noah. The preaching was done in the days of Noah by Noah. And the people who disobeyed the gospel of Noah are now the spirits in prison. Are you following? The people who disobeyed the gospel in the days of Noah are now the spirits in prison. So Noah preached, they disobeyed, when they died, they went to prison. Is it getting clear? Yeah, that's what he's dealing with in that verse of scripture. Now, <clears throat> remember, we are examining the integrity of God's word. And I have a number of these to deal with that will culminate in that integrity of God's word. There are a number of things. We take it bits by bits by bits until we arrive at the holistic picture. Can somebody shout hallelujah? But you today, you have heard the gospel. And what is your response? You have believed. And what is the result? Huh? Hello, what's the result? Okay, wait. You today, you have heard the gospel. And what was your response? Talk to me now. What's your response? Do you believe? And when you believe the gospel, what's the result? Are you saved or you will be saved? Are you saved? How saved are you? Huh? Eternally saved. Are you sure? What's the basis for your assurance? That's the integrity we're dealing with What's the basis? The basis for the assurance of your salvation is what? What's the integrity? Don't use the integrity of God's word to cover up. What's the integrity of God's word? 
That's what we're examining. So that's why this study is important because this study now shows you the basis for why you believe that if you die today, you are in heaven with Jesus. That's what we're studying, what we're studying. And we're examining characters through the scriptures, through the prophets, to arrive at that conclusion. Are you blessed this morning? Say with me, I am eternally saved in Jesus Christ. He died my death. He was buried my burial. He resurrected my resurrection. On the basis of his resurrection, I have eternal life. Do you believe that? Stand on your feet. That's all I've got for you this morning. I'm going to continue this in the next service and you don't want to miss it for anything. Half information is very dangerous. Amen. <laughs> Half information is dangerous. Are you blessed this morning? Lift your right hand and show me I am saved, secured in Christ Jesus eternally. I didn't hear powerful amen. Do you observe that the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him shall not, but, 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 and three, come, quickly, come, come, come. Shall not perish, but, stand there. Shall not perish, but, who, who is in possession of this handkerchief right now? Me or him? Is it mine? Am I having it? Will I have it? Will I have it? Do I have it? Is it mine? Is it in my possession? Does it have my name? Does it have my name? Is it mine? Does it have my name? Uh, something that is yours has your name now. <laughs> All right. And it take. Who has it? Me? Him? Whose is it now? Does it have his name? Is it in his possession? Is it now his property? The day you received Christ, he entered you. You have. You didn't hear that. Say, I have eternal life. Now, it's mine, my property, my possession. It has my name. He says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have. It's not open-ended. It's not if he keeps behaving good, he will have. It is he has now. Glory to God. Say, I have eternal life right now. Secured, saved by Jesus Christ. And he will never lose me. I will never lose him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lift your right hands to heaven. Father, thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice in this building, online, on television, wherever your people are hearing this word. Revelation knowledge grows big on your inside. This word comes with such clarity. And we come against every voice of doubt and fear. Be silenced in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that the revelation of Jesus keeps growing big on our inside until nothing else matters. Thank you for an army of people you are raising all over the blue marble planet. Men and women that will preach this gospel, defend this gospel, make this gospel known and shout it on the mountain tops and blanket the entire world with the truth of Jesus Christ. And we rejoice that falsehood is collapsing and deception is giving way because the light of the gospel is piercing through the darkness in the name of Jesus. And Father, we rejoice. We give you praise that in our hearts we have the assurance of salvation, the assurance of Jesus Christ and the joy of salvation. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name and every believer says a powerful amen. And I hear another amen. I mean, if you have the joy of salvation in the building, can we go ahead and celebrate our salvation in Christ Jesus? Glory! Amen! Now listen to me. The Spirit of God spoke to me early hours of this morning while I was praying for this service. Everybody listen to this. This will help you a lot. The Lord said to me, tell my people, do not serve me just because you want a reward. Let your serving me be an offshoot of the joy of salvation. That you are so joyful in this salvation that the natural response it brings out of you is service. The Spirit of God spoke to me clearly this morning. He said, tell my people not to serve me just for reward, but let their serving me be an outflow from the joy of salvation. Amen. And he says to me, that kind of service never gets tired, never gets offended, never gets weary, and never gets to a point of giving up because it is an outflow from joy. And joy is strength. Joy is strength. When you serve as an outflow of joy, you just keep serving and serving and serving. And you're delighted and honored and excited to just keep serving the kingdom of God, serving the purpose of God, serving the people of God in spite of them and irrespective of them. Because you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for Jesus in them. They may make it look difficult for you to serve them. But when you see beyond them and see Christ, in spite of them, you serve with joy. I don't know who these words are for, but the Spirit of God spoke to me and asked me to bring this word to this house. You serve as an outflow of joy. The joy of salvation. Did you hear that? Do you receive those words? You serve as an outflow of the joy of salvation. Because once you realize what Christ has done for you, 
serving his purpose, serving his body becomes natural. Those are the kind of things brother Paul will say, I am a bond slave. A bond slave. I'm a son of God, but I have decided to take on me slavery to God's people. A bond slave means I am a self-appointed slave. God didn't make me a slave. I, Paul, because of the too much goodness of God. He says, I am the chief of all sinners, yet grace found me. So because of how God reached out to me in my state, I have decided to make myself a slave, even though I am a son. I have decided to make myself a slave for the people of God. That comes out of the joy, the acknowledgement, the realization of salvation and the value of it. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? Take those words, think about them, pray about them and do what you need to do for the kingdom. I want to take up your offerings this morning before we close. Everybody, I want to thank partners and friends of this ministry who keep giving all over the world and within this house and in all our campuses, giving to support the vision given to support the purpose of God through this ministry and through your support we're able to get the gospel out out to where people are all over the nations of the earth and I want to thank you, I want to appreciate all of you partners and friends and my prayer is that you will never get weary in well doing, as you keep giving we keep reaching out to souls remember God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. So grab your offerings, everybody, your kingdom investment, your partnership. I want to pray over them as we honor Christ with them. And remember, I'll be live again at 11 a.m. GMT plus one as we continue this teaching on the integrity of God's word, taking it to, you know, um, to another point. We're not finishing today. We continue for the next few weeks, but it's exciting to just have everybody here. Amen. Alright, if you're watching around the world and where you are, there's no banking detail on the screen, whether on TV or social media, that is relevant to your location. You need to shoot a mail to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com, you know, stating your location and we will send you an account that will be relevant to your location. But we want to thank you for giving and honoring Christ. Lift your offerings to heaven for prayer. Father, we thank you for everybody giving this morning. We give in honor. We give with joy. We give with gratitude. We give as part of our worship to you for all you have done for us. And we give in honor of what Christ has done. And we give as our responsibility to get the gospel to the nations of the world. And we thank you that our offerings are a sweet smell before you today. Thank you for the privilege to honor Christ. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Praise God. Hey guys, you know we love you. Remember 60 Days of Glory Extended is ongoing. Both on radio, on television and on social media. Every 12th noon, GMT plus 1 and 10pm GMT plus 1. 60 Days of Glory Extended is ongoing. A repeat of everything we taught. A repeat of all the questions and answers. We want them to sink in before we start the next season which begins on the 11th of October. We go live again from the 11th of October till whenever the Lord allows us to stop. And from the 11th of October, we begin again the question and answer session with Mr. Michael Bush. But this time around, it will be called the counselor. Ask the counselor. And what it's going to be like is people will write us real life situations, real, real life challenges, and we give you counsel from the word of God on what to do apart from the questions and the answers. So it's going to be an exciting time 
while I teach the word, we answer the questions and bring counsel. It's going to be very explosive. And I'm looking forward to that wonderful time. We love you guys. I'm looking forward to meeting all of you again at 11 a.m. GMT plus one. Invite friends and families. All our campuses. We live in the able hands of coordinators. House centers. Your house pastors will tell you what to do. And everybody else, enjoy the grace of God. We'll see you at 11 a.m. GMT plus one. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service this morning. Glory! Amen! Are you blessed? This message for these all the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damini. Please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com.